connected together in a corporate family. We started out the year dealing with what was our personal vision for our own lives. You may remember on that particular Sunday, we dealt with asking God to give us a word. Asking God to give us a word. Not a resolution that we wouldn't keep, but a word from Him that would transform our life. Not just in January, but February, March, April, May, June, July, and in December, we would still be resting on that particular word. I am thankful. I am encouraged. Uh, God gave me a word. I am excited about that word as it is manifesting itself in my life. And I'm excited to hear your testimonies. Many of you have came and said, Pastor, this is the word God gave me. Isn't that, in, isn't that so much more encouraging than a resolution that you're not going to keep? But to get a word from God that he'll speak to you all year. And then we began to look at where we were as a faith family. When we talked about as a faith family this year, we had some God-sized assignments that frankly are absolutely bigger than we are. They require more effort than we have, more money than we have, more strength than we have. It's bigger, it's wider, it's taller, it's larger than anything we could work up in the flesh. And I am grateful for that. I am very grateful. We live in a day and time where <clears throat> many families, faith families, are shrinking. They're declining. They're closing their doors. They're going out of business. But I'm glad that we're part of a faith family that's on the move. And that we're operating in the supernatural. There's no joy in the natural. If you walk in the natural all the days of your life, then you're only doing what you can do. The joy is walking in the supernatural. There will be days that you fall down and you sink underneath the water. But we have an ever-present Savior named Jesus Christ, who just like when Peter was no longer walking on the water but blowing bubbles, he managed to cry out, Lord, could you just save me? I mean, it wasn't some big mystical theological prayer filled with big, large $100 words. But it was just, Lord, save me. And when he began to sink low, Jesus reached down, picked him up, and carried him back to the boat. Here's what I want you to know. That when you start walking out the will of God in your life, it's not a promise that there will not be turbulent times. But he promised us to never leave us nor forsake us. If you're going to have a testimony, you've got to first have a test. And uh, we looked at how our vision for our church was that we would become deep, we would go deep, and God would take us wide. Two words, deep and wide. This weekend, we had the first um, extra event that dealt with going deep. We had about 40 leaders that came this weekend, Friday, Saturday. It was called a leadership summit. But by 5 o'clock yesterday, I felt like it was a leadership boot camp. And uh, can I get an Amen. All right, and you were there. and uh, But, I mean, I believe it challenged me. It stretched me to where I wasn't comfortable. Made me examine things about myself, about our faith family. And I believe it's God bringing the roots down, sending the roots down. You know, you can only go as high as your roots go deep. And uh, any tree that doesn't have a good root system... It doesn't get very high. Uh, 
had an illustration yesterday of a of a uh, of a shark. The guy leading the conference used an illustration of a shark, and a shark can live in a tank and it won't get very big. But if you take that same shark out of that tank, it'll grow to its full length in the ocean's body of water. And many of us, our spiritual life has become stagnated because we're living in a man-sized container. And God's not interested in a man-sized anything. Amen? Now, you like supersized stuff. Can I get a witness? Amen. That's why McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Sonic, Route 44, you out there? You picking up what I'm putting down now? Uh Uh-huh. Amen. That's why they sell so many supersized things. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, you never had anything until it's been God-sized. I want to encourage you to go this week and purchase you a notebook. On the front of it, write God's book. And I want you to begin to make a chronology this year in our faith family and in your personal life when you can record an event that was so great, you know it was God. You know it was God. Not long ago, we was uh, having some difficult, just a tough time in the, in the ministry. It was the middle of, right at the end of the summer, and nothing will hurt, a, nothing will uh, get a pastor as, as nervous as the summer does on finances, because it just it's the summer, it is what it is. And man, at the end of the summer, uh, somebody sent us a check, and it was for $10,000. And uh, just in the mail, doesn't attend here, uh, believes in what our faith family's doing, sent it, no strings attached. Here's $10,000, use it wherever you want to use it. And so Pastor Ralph came in there, and I had the check laying on the table with my iPhone over top of it. Will taught me how to take a picture. And uh, if you were here last week, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking a picture of this. He said, why? I said, because when my faith starts failing, when my faith starts failing, I can look back here as a memorial stone and say, hey, you remember when God showed up? Well, and this year he ended up sending one for 50000 and one for another 10000 just out of, out, of, out, of, out of the third heaven. It came a-running. Why am I saying that? Get you a book. I'm going to tell you. Let's write it down. Let's make a chronology and say, you remember when? You remember when that preacher led us into something that was bigger than we were, and we thought he was crazy, but then we realized we were crazier because we was following a crazy one. And God showed up, but God. And so we looked at that, how God wants to take us deep, how when we put our roots deep, how God will want to take us wide. Now, I say that because nothing gets our attention like money, amen? You can say amen. That's why you get up and go to work. Hallelujah. And so as we think about this, it reminds me of the little boy. He said, well, you know, money's not everything, but it's way ahead of whatever's in second place. And so sometimes that's how we feel, amen. That's why we work so hard in two or three jobs. If you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with me to the book of Joshua. Last week, we took our vision that we had two weeks ago, and the vision was this. God wants to take our, we won't, if we'll go deep, God wants to take us wide. And last week, we looked at a sermon that dealt with how do I go deep, okay? I want to go deep, how do I go deep? If you are not here and you want to hear that, you can go online and, and, and uh, view that in our archived sermons. Uh, how do we go deep? 
And we looked at that last week. Today I want to talk to you about a few moments on when we go deep, when we learn how to go deep, we'll, we're going to look at how God will take us wide. If you have your informational handout there, it's on the front of it. When we go deep, God will take us wide. Now, now understand what, you're, what it says there. It didn't say when you go deep, you will have to figure out how to go wide. It says that when we decide to go deep, God will take us wide. Read with me, if you will, in your Bible here in Joshua. I want to find two books for me because we're going to be in two places. Joshua chapter 1 and then the book of Numbers chapter 13. Uh, you know, you hear, you hear the uh, church leadership sometimes say, all the pastor cares about is numbers. Well, God loved numbers so much he named a book after it. Amen? And uh, anyway, uh, you'll get that later. That's, that's preacher humor. Uh, numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14. God made a promise. Let's, let's read in Numbers 13 first. God made a promise to Israel, and he gave them this. You can write this down on, on your handout there. Write this down, a promise that's been given. And the Lord spoke to Moses. Underline that in your Bible. The Lord spoke. I tell you what you need in life is you need to hear from God. You need a word from God. Not a word from man, not a word from your wife, not a word from your father-in-law or your father. You need a word from God. The word of man will get you high and leave you low. But God's word will sustain you, will strengthen you through the courses of life. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came and he said, send men to scout it out. Circle in your Bible that word, scout out. The land of Canaan. I am giving to who? The Israelites. That's who Moses was leading. At this time, they didn't have a king. They were living under a theocracy. God was their ruler. That's what the Old Testament was about. All those prophets in there. You say, what in the world is all these prophets for in the Old Testament? Haggai, uh, Hosea, Amos, Jonah, Nahum, all those, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all those prophets were the voice of God speaking to the children of Israel. He said, send one man who is a leader among them from each of the tribes of Israel. So there was 12 tribes of Israel. So one man from each lineage would take, and there was 12 people that left. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran to the Lord's, at the Lord's command, and all the men were leaders. In Israel. Now, now circle this with me, that word in your Bible, that they were leaders. I mean, this wasn't just some Johnny-come-latelys. This, this wasn't somebody who didn't understand anything about what God was up to. This was leaders, principled men, men that had been taught, men that had been mentored, men that had been discipled. And he said, you pick these leaders. And they began to go out. Now look at this, if you would, in verse 4. And these were the names of all those leaders. Let's just skip over them so that you know I don't know how to say their names. And you don't either, but humor yourself and read them there in verse 5. And so as we continue to, to go here in your Bible, it says, but look at these two guys. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Judah. Interesting, isn't it? And 
Igal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Issachar. Now, as you go on down, help me out there, go on through those names. Let's skip down about verse 10. And so there he is, Hosea, son of Nun, and the tribe of Ephraim. As we look at this, it's very interesting. And these were the names of the Moses, the names of the men that Moses sent to scout out the land of Israel. And so as we look at this, he sent them, and they spied out the land. Now, here's what he said. Go spy out the land. Spy out the land. Now, I'm not going to read all these verses for the sake of time, but you go home and read them. But the rest of this chapter says, they went and they spied out the land, and they saw the land, and it was flowing with milk and honey. That's what they said when they came back. Matter of fact, it was filled with grapes. They spent 40 days spying out the land. When they came back, they brought back fruit from the promised land. And here's what they said. It's just as God said. Imagine that. It's just as God said. And so the grapes were so big, the Bible says this, that they had to cut a pole and hang a cluster of grapes. Can you say hybrid? Amen. God had hybrid grapes figured out before man ever thought about it. And so they were carrying them back, and they laid this big cluster of grapes that was so large that they had to have two men carry them back. They laid down all the fruit of the land. They said, it's wonderful. And they were like, yeah, it's wonderful. But ten of them said, you know, but we're just going to have to stay here in the wilderness because we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And Joshua and Caleb stood up. They said, oh, no, we can take them. You're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. We're the giants. They're the grasshoppers. And, oh, man, listen, if you look over there in your Bible, in the book of Numbers, let me just show you a couple of scriptures. All of a sudden, they begin to cry, and they begin to cry out. Look at what it says in Numbers chapter 14. Not only do we see the promise that was given, but write this down, the second thing. It's nothing worse than having a promise delayed, like it was never going to come. <clears throat> you remember when you were a kid, it seemed like Christmas only came every two years? Now it seems like it comes every two months. When you're receiving and you don't have any money to buy as a child, it can't get there quick enough. When you're paying, it gets there way too often. Amen? Y'all with me? Say, all right, come on now, help me out here. It's going to be slow preaching here this morning. So as we think about this, it, 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 they were like, oh, man, it's, it's great. And so all of a sudden the promise was delayed. Why was it delayed? Look at what the people said in Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to read this. Numbers 14, verse 1. Then the whole community broke out in loud cries, and the people wept that night. And all Israel complained to Moses and Aaron. The whole community told, uh, told them, if you had only let us die in Egypt as slaves, eating onions and garlic, because that's about all they had while making bricks, we'd have been better off had we never seen a miracle. We'd have been better off had we never seen the provision of the, the, the death angel, the provision of the, the blood of the Passover. We'd have been better off we'd never seen the Red Sea part. We'd have been better off we never seen the quail come down from heaven. We'd have been better off we never seen the bitter waters made sweet in Mara. We'd have been better off we never seen the Red Sea parted. We, we'd have been better off had we never seen a miracle. Dying in a foreign land and to get out here and die. Amen. And so, 
it goes on, just let us die. All they lament. The next few verses, our kids are going to die out here. Lord, you brought us out here to die. God said, no, I didn't. I brought you out here because I have a promise for you. A promise for you. But you can't see the promise for the obstacles. So their promise was delayed. Numbers 14, 30 through 34. Look at this right here very clearly. It goes on. And, and, and the Lord, man, the Lord was so upset. And he, he just said, man, I'm just done with these knuckleheads. If they can't believe me and follow me, I'll do something different. And so Moses intercedes for them. And God said, okay, Moses, I've heard your prayer. Here's what we're going to do. And listen to what it says in verse 30. It says, I swear that none of the people who complained about me, none of them will enter the land I promised to settle you in except Caleb and Joshua. I will bring your children. Circle this in verse 31 in your Bible. I will bring your children whom you said would become the plunder, the ones you said would be plundered. I'm going to bring them into the land I promised and make them plunderers. They're not going to be the victim, but they're going to be the conqueror. And what I want you to know today on the authority of the word of God is that in our life, many times, God gives you a word, just like he did two or three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, it begins to be hard to live out that word. And what begins to happen is our faith begins to fail. And we begin to say, oh, my goodness, I am going to become the victim but I want you to know, Jesus did not die for you to be a victim of Satan, but he died for you to be a conqueror. A conqueror. Say that with me. A conqueror. Now say it like you believe it. A conqueror. I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord as a, as a young boy in the 11th grade. I mean, I was so fired up living for Jesus. And then I, I found a dose of reality in the, in the, the real world. Uh, after graduating high school, and uh, man, I didn't live for the Lord for several years. And when I gave my, when I turned my heart towards home, and, and repented and restored my relationship with Christ, I came across a life verse for me. My one of my life verses. I have two. One of them is First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, and it says, "But thanks be to God who gives me the victory through Christ Jesus my Lord." When I found that scripture. I realized, wait a minute. I said, I believe had I fully grasped this and understood it, I may have never walked away from the Lord because Jesus Christ did not die for me not to be a conqueror. You say, oh, pastor, you, wait a minute. You're saying two things. Well, on one hand, you're saying it's going to be hard. On the other hand, you're saying I'm going to be a conqueror. Well, I'm just going to tell you today, anything worth conquering is hard. But you need to understand that you're not defeated. You are on the winning side through Jesus Christ. So their promise was delayed. So there's the second thing I want you to write down. There was a promise that was given. Then there was a promise delayed. Now, now I'm making a point here, and I really want you to grasp this. Uh, you got to get the background to understand the width. Before you can fully understand the width, you got to understand the depth. Now, you say, now last week, Pastor, you was preaching out of the New Testament on Timothy where it talked about study to show yourself an approved workman which need not be at the shame but rightly divine the word truth. Now you're in the Old Testament. What are you trying to say? Well, listen, 
God was in the process of taking them deep. A lot of times, no, 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 no. All The only way you can go deep is with effort. Can I say that again? The only way you can go deep is with effort. Now, I like to live by a three-scoop policy. Anything more than three scoops should have something hydraulic on the end of it. But now you know we didn't always have that privileged opportunity. It took effort. It took travail. It took hard work. It took, it took energy. It took focus to dig deep. To dig deep. To dig deep. And God was in the process of stretching their faith when their Faith failed them, and they said, oh, well, we, uh, it's all there. It's just like God said, but uh, it can't be ours. We're, we're just a bunch of super chickens. That can't be ours. Those are giants. We're grasshoppers. So we're just going to settle. So when it got hard, when it required faith, their faith failed them. One of your constant prayers as a leader ought to be, as a leader of your home, and a leader in our family, and a leader at work, ought to be this. Lord, help my faith to not fail. Help my faith to not lose courage. See, there's a lot of faithful people. Would you say amen to that? I mean, they're in church every week. I mean, in the traditional church, they're there for Sunday school. They're there for worship. They come back that night. They're there for choir practice. They're there for discipleship training. They're there for Sunday night church. They come back on Monday. They're there for men's meeting. They come, wife comes back on Tuesday. She's there for women's meeting. They come back on Wednesday. They're there for what they call a prayer meeting. And, and, then, and then on Friday, they, they have Thursday night off a lot of times. And on, on, on Friday, they normally got something for either their preteen children to do or they're you children to do. So are you with me? I mean, they're faithful. They're war slap out going to the house of the Lord. And, 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 and they're constantly feeding themselves. They're constantly gorging themselves with information at the table of Jesus. But then somebody says, Oh, pastor, I think we ought to, well, I, I think we ought to figure out some kind of evangelistic strategy to go out and reach those who are unreached and make a difference where a difference needs to be made. I remember one time I was preaching at a church. It was on the verge up in Shreveport of, of really going from good to great. And, uh, man, we had just, just planted Family of Grace Church. And I went in this church, and I may have told this story before. If you've heard it, just humor me. A lot of new people here. I went in there, and uh, I was trying to, I'd been mentoring them. I was meeting with their leadership before church, talking about creative ideas to reach people. And uh, one of the ideas that I shared with them was, a, was a, a block party. You know, go out in the neighborhood, put up a tent, have fun, feed the neighborhood, give Bibles away, whatever else you want to do. And I'll never forget. They said, oh, pastor, we, we, we can't afford that. I mean, I'm talking about a big church. And, and I'm in there, and I, that just sent a hot flash all down my back. 
And, uh, man, I didn't say anything that I'd have to repent of yet. And uh, I don't know, man. That night I got to preaching. And, uh, man, I got to looking. And that church had some of the most beautiful mosaic windows that I had ever seen. I'm telling you. I mean, I've been in a lot of churches. But they had the real deal. And they were so proud. Matter of fact, one of the people had shared earlier in the week how proud they were of those windows. And I'm not going to say it was the spirit because it's probably the flesh. I got to preaching and looking around at those windows and thinking about them complaining in that meeting because they didn't have any money to, to uh, uh, do ministry with. And I said, well, man, I said, here's a novel thought. I said, y'all could start selling them windows off one at a time and you could, you could do block parties all year on one window. I was glad it was close to the end of the week. But we begin to say, oh, there it is. It's attainable. It's reachable. But we can't do it. And there are these people. They're faithful. They're faithful. They're faithful. But they have no faith. Now, can I just preach a while right there? They're faithful. They will be here when you call them. They'll do what you ask them to do as long as it doesn't stretch their spiritual hamstrings. As long as it doesn't require them to have to pray, believe, and cling to God to intervene in a supernatural way. I believe if a church is I believe that if a church's budget is meetable in the flesh, they need to redo it and expand it and do more ministry. Because you can do it. You can do it. It's not being a bad steward. It's being a good steward. It's like the little boy who brought his few fish and few loaves of bread to camp meeting. Matter of fact, one of the disciples said, Lord, here's what I've mustered up out amongst the crowd. Wouldn't but one boy's mama thought enough to pack him a sack lunch. And the disciples said, but Lord, what are they with so many? And Jesus said, hey man, you just bust them up into groups. Let me take care of it. Now everybody there was excited that day. Paul, stay with me for a moment. Everybody was excited that day because they were able to eat from the table of supernatural provision. <clears throat> Can you say amen? They were able to eat from the table of the supernatural provision. They all saw that it was just a few fish, it's a few loaves of bread. They began to watch that dude multiply and multiply and multiply. And you know, they, they were like, this is pretty cool. Did you, did you see what I saw? Matter of fact, there was so much that each disciple was able to take a doggy bag home. They were. It says they gathered up 12 baskets of leftovers. And there were 12 disciples there. But I'm going to tell you something today, church. The ones, all oh, stay with me. The ones who were eating from the table of supernatural provisions 
was only piggybacking on the faith of somebody else. Can I say that again? The ones who were eating from the table of supernatural provisions was only piggybacking on somebody else's faith because it was that one little boy, the only little boy in the whole 5,000 men, not to count women and children, whose mama thought enough to send him with a sack lunch. And when his little sack lunch was requested, he said, oh... I'll give it over to Jesus anytime. And he didn't give from his excess. He gave it all. And I'm telling you today, I believe this is what happened. I can't prove it. You can't disprove it. And I'm preaching, so I'll share. You just think those old boys had a testimony. You know, they probably forgot about that miracle some five, ten years ago. It happens. Matter of fact, somebody was asking me about a mission trip that I took to Minot, North Dakota, and we built a church up there about 11 years ago. The girls were just born. And I said, you know, I can't even remember how I got up there, except for God. You know, I, I was trying to remember the connections in the natural, how that whole thing happened. See, th- those miracles fade away. But I'll tell you something what I believe. I can't prove it, and you can't disprove it. I probably believe that little boy grew up to be a man. And he was telling his children, one day I was just out there playing and there was this man named Jesus and he requested my few fish, few loaves of bread and I gave it to him. I gave all that I had to Jesus Christ and he provided for everyone. I believe that he told his children. I believe that when his hair turned gray and he was sitting in front of his tent and he was rocking them on the front porch of his tent, he was telling those little grandchildren, let me tell you one day when I was about your age, I went out to play with my friends and there was this man named Jesus who showed up and we just got caught up in the masses and he requested what I had and I gave. Don't you know everybody in his family was sick of hearing that story? He provided for the miracle. He gave what he had and did what he could for the glory of God. God's not asking you to give what you don't have. (coughs) He's asking you to give what you do have. I don't know how I ended up on that story. That was a rabbit, but we went ahead and shot it. The promise fulfilled, the promise promise given, the promise delayed, the promise fulfilled. Look with me, if you would, in Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> Somebody here today probably needed to hear that. If not, I had fun telling it, Amen. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, and he said, Joshua, you who serve Moses, Moses is dead now. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land that I am given to the Israelites. I have given you my word. And I am giving you this. I have given you, look at this right here in verse 3, underline it. 
every place. Say that with me. Every. Where the sole of your foot treads. Just as I promised Moses. At this time there was only two people. Two people living. Who left Egypt and was part of the miracle. All the rest of them had died off. Even Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land because he got angry with the people. And uh, God said, speak to the rock. And he beat the rock. And God said, okay, you want to walk in disobedience? The water still came out. God still provided. He said, but no, you can't go into the promised land. And so Moses began to be a great leader and train up Joshua. Matter of fact, if you go back when Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Joshua wasn't with Moses, but he went up the mountain with Moses, stopped. Moses went on up the rest of the way. So Joshua was a young man who had always been sitting next to the fire. And so God comes and says, all right, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this with great specificity when we laid out the vision for the church deep and wide. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, God told Moses, he said, okay, you've been here long enough. It's time to move out. And so Moses led them all the way to the Jordan, but he couldn't cross it. And he passed away, and now God tells Joshua, he says, son, you've been faithful. And here's what he says. He says, I have given you this land. Your territory will be from the wilderness of Lebanon, the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, the west of the Mediterranean Sea, No one will be able to stand against you. Underline that. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Joshua, don't let your faith fail you. Those are my words. Don't let your faith fail you because I will not leave you or forsake you. That's God's word. So what we see is the promise fulfilled. It was given, it was delayed, and now it's being fulfilled. And what we see in verse 4 is a description of the width. We see the tree there. I want to show you this other picture here. It's, uh, it's, it's, It's an interesting thought. God begins to lay out this this description. And you see the red areas, the big red map. That's the area that God said that was described in Joshua chapter 4. Can you say big? I mean... That dude went over into Egypt, <clears throat> went all the way down into Saudi Arabia, takes half of Iraq and half of Syria. Boy, don't you know that stir up some Palestines had they really took everything that had been given to them. I mean, you don't have to go to the courthouse to find the legal description of Israel's land. Because it's recorded in a much more sacred book. God's word. And he gives them this description. And in this description, here's what he says. It's the width. This is the width. Here's what I want you to have. Here's the width and the depth of it. You see it there on the map. And then he says, guys, here's what else. In verse 6, we see a description of what they needed to take that land. Look with me if you would in your Bible. Verse 6. You need to go get 247 tanks, 
three aircraft carriers? No, that's not what it says. Son, be strong. Be courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong. Be very courageous. And carefully observe my instructions. My servant Moses commanded you. Joshua, don't you turn from it to the right or to the left. If you do that, you will have success wherever you go. <coughs> Here's what he told Joshua he needed. Son, you need strength. You need courage. You need strength. You need courage. Courage without strength is not much courage, huh? You only have as much courage as you do strength in the physical realm. Amen? <clears throat> Even if you're a bully, you only have as much bullying power as you do courage. And you only have as much courage as you really know you have strength. Let me illustrate. I remember, I remember the story of a little boy who had made a list. He, was a, he wasn't a little boy, he was a big boy. He was a bully. He made a list of everybody who he could whip at the school. And he made that a public declaration. He passed it around the classroom. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, there was this little bitty fella, scrappy. I mean, he, this one boy was, was half the height he was, half the width. I mean, he, he was a big old boy, a little bitty boy. And that little boy found out that his name was on that list. And it infuriated him. And he went and found that bully and he said, I heard my name was on your list. He said, yes, it is. What are you going to do about it? He said, well, I don't mind if my name's on your list, but you're going to have to prove that you can whip me. That's okay, I'll take it off. See, you only have as much courage as you know you have strength. And you only have as much faith courage as you know you really have faith. You know why most of us don't have much faith is because we're only piggybacking on somebody else's miracles. Can I say that again? We only have, we don't have much faith because we're telling somebody else's stories. We don't have much faith anymore because the miracles that God did do, they were way back there. Way back there. You can't live on yesterday's miracles. I know churches that had miracles of yesterday. Had miracles of yesterday. Impacted the kingdom tremendously. And today, they don't know how they're going to stay open one more day. And it's because they wanted to live in yesterday and not in tomorrow. Listen, what God did yesterday is yesterday. It ought to strengthen us. It ought to encourage us to have grit, true grit, to fight for tomorrow. But it ought to not be the vision of, the, of tomorrow. <coughs> he said, you need depth. 
You need strength, you need courage, you need depth, depth in your life. I'm going to prove it. Look at verse 8. What was the verse from last week? 2 Timothy 3. Study to show yourself an approved workman, which need not be at the shame, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing. Study what? Study my book. Show yourself an approved workman, need not be at the shame. You study my word, you become an approved workman. What was our message last week? You will not be a disqualified laborer, but you will be a qualified laborer. You will be a qualified child of God. You will not be an ashamed workman. You will be unashamed because you will throw your shoulders back, hold your head up high, not because you're a snob, but because you're a victor. And look at what he tells Moses, uh, Joshua. You will have success wherever you go, verse 8. The book of instructions must not depart from whose mouth? Your mouth. You are to recite it, read it, live it every day and every night. So that you may carefully observe everything written in it. What he's telling him right there, son, you've got to have depth in your life. If you're going to achieve the whole width of what I've given you, then you must have a root system that goes deep. Because you will only be as tall as your roots are deep. And then he shares an interesting verse. You know, there's a lot of talk in Christian circles about money and giving and naming and claiming. You give this and you'll get that. You sow that seed of faith. and You, you know what I'm talking about. I'll send you a handkerchief. Listen to what God says. If you carefully observe my word, then you will prosper. Then you will prosper and be successful in whatever you do. You want to be blessed? Live out the word of God. He said, oh, pastor, I've done that, but I'm still having hard times. Well, God's preparing you something that's bigger than you could ever imagine. Here's what I've come to realize in my faith life, that when I can see God moving the least, it's when he's moving the most. You see, the problem when the Titanic sank was not the tip of the iceberg, but it was the width of the iceberg under the water where the ship traveled. It was much wider. I mean, when they saw that iceberg, they actually felt like they had escaped it. It had just kind of, man, if you, you know, it just was passing by the windows. Whew. But they didn't understand the width and the depth of that huge iceberg underneath. You with me? And I'm going to tell you, they couldn't see that part. And when you can't see God moving, that's when he's doing something so big that it's unseeable. Here's my greatest example for that. How many of you ever walked out and said, look up there. There's a falling star. You ever said that? Did you see that falling star? 
How many of you have ever said this? Hey, honey, look up there. Isn't that cool how we can just watch the world turn? Have you ever said that? No. But it does. Except for one time in history, God made it stand still, made the sun stand still, and everything stopped. Because Joshua, who was meditating on his word, was in the middle of a battle, and he needed a little more time to be victorious. God said, oh, okay, hold on, son. Hold on, hold on. Let everything stop for one minute. Okay, my boy is victorious. Go ahead. Now, what was your problem? He said, son, if you're going to be victorious, you need depth in your life. If you're going to amount to anything, guys, you need to be a lifelong learner and have depth in your life. You need to have some spiritual fortitude in your life. You need to have some resolve that you never quit learning and you're always expanding and meditating on God's word day and night. And then last of all, he said, well, he says again, he says, uh, again, son, be strong, be very courageous. And then in the rest of that chapter, God goes and says, okay, go get it. And Joshua begins to make preparation. But the last thing that Joshua needed to, to achieve the width of what God had given him was he needed faith. Look in chapter 4 in verse 1. I mean, in chapter 3 and verse 7, I'm sorry. The Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Today I will exalt you in the sight of Israel, so they will know that I will be with you just as I have been with Moses. Command the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant, and when you reach the edge of the waters, go stand in the Jordan. Now, this was harvest time. The banks were full. The Jordan River was very tumultuous. Get the ark, get the priest, lead that bunch of preachers out there to stand in the middle of the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant. Let that soak in for a minute. Talk about crazy. So I know Joshua was glad to get this next word. Then he went and told them. And then God, he said, we're going to conquer the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perserites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and any other ite that might come up. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of the earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan, stay with me, okay? Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. When the feet of the priest who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of, <coughs> of all the earth will come to rest the Jordan waters. It will, its waters will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Verse 15. Now the Jordan overflows its banks. That's how I knew that. Not because I'm that smart. God said so. Throughout the harvest season. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge. And the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass. Then it extended as far as Adam, the city next to Zarathan, and the water flowing downstream to the Dead Sea was completely cut off, 
And all the people crossed it across from Jericho. And the priests carrying the ark of the Lord's covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the, of, of the Jordan while Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. You know what God showed me this week? I, I don't know how many times I've preached on this or read it or studied or been mesmerized by it. God told Joshua to get the ark and go stand in the middle of the Jordan. Did he not? Did, did God tell Joshua in that verse, I'm going to part the waters? He didn't. Then it was Joshua who went and found the 12 leaders and said, boys, we're taking that ark in the middle of the Jordan. Now, now stay with me. This is fresh for me. This is no warmed over biscuit here. It was Joshua who said, when we get to the edge of the waters, God will part it for us. And so they went and was marching to take the ark in the middle of the Jordan. And then when the edge of their, God told Joshua to bring them to the edge of the bank and then go down into the Jordan is what he told them. Joshua said, when, when the priest, when your feet touch the, the, the water, God will stand up the waters on one side, and the rest will roll on down. Now, why would Joshua do something like that? Because he had a God book. Now, I don't know that he had a book, but he had a God memory. And he remembered some 40, probably 45 years earlier, when he was a lot younger, about my age, right now, he walked across the river the same way, called the Red Sea. And I believe that Joshua said, God, if you could do it then, if you want me to take that Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the Jordan River. Now, now, oh, mercy, I'm just out of time. Boy, I could preach here for a minute. I'm telling you, in the Old Testament... The ark, the power of God resided in that ark. It was, it was where the power of God rests in between the cherubim. He said, God, if you want me to take the place where you dwell here on earth in the middle of that Jordan River, I know you're not going to let that baby go down. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Joshua said, God already told me that we're going to take the land. I've already been here 40 years waiting. Joshua said, now, now God said, Joshua, today I'm going to exalt you in the eyes of the people of Israel as I was with Moses. 40 years Joshua was second in command. And Joshua said, I hadn't waited 40 years for my day to be the leader to let my faith fail. And if I be swept away, I'm going down doing what God told me to do. It was Joshua's faith. And those priests followed him. 
Because for 40 years, they've been discipling them. But one day, we're going into that promised land. And this is the day. Promise fulfilled. Now, one thing interesting here is here's what God told them they could have. And as you know, this is what they ended up taking. 10% of what God promised. You say, wow, that's pitiful. What's your percentage look like? <clears throat> Are you up to 10? God's promised us a whole lot more. Five years ago, God gave us a promise to make an impact on the 70,000 unchurched people who was within a 10-minute drive of this building. And I'm telling you today, there may not be a whole bunch of us, but I am telling you that I am going to go down trying to make an impact on the 70,000 unchurched people. What does that mean to be unchurched? It means that when their marriage is falling apart, when their kids is in a car wreck, when their loved one's been diagnosed with cancer, they don't have a faith family to rally around them. They don't have a pastor to call in the midnight hour to bring out the anointing oil and pray over them. When they're being tormented over the fears of their past, they don't have somebody who will suffer long and believe in and cling to them and rely on them. They don't have somebody to piggyback them. God's called us to that task. I don't care what the rest of the churches are doing. I care about what we're doing. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Snatch them from the pity. From sin in the grave. Reap for the erring one. Lift up the fallen. And while you're at it, tell them the good news that Jesus saves. And then Joshua told, God told Joshua one other thing. I'm done. Joshua, there, you know, you had this promise. It was delayed. Now it's being fulfilled. But when, you, when, when all of Israel gets across, and this is in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. When all of Israel gets across, <clears throat> send one leader from each of the tribes, 12 men, back down into the depth of the Jordan, in the middle of the Jordan River, and you drag out a stone from the middle of that river, and you come set it up on the bank, on this side, on the victorious side, so that when their faith begins to fail them, and they begin to grow weary and well-doing, you take them back to the bank of the Jordan River and say, boys, there is the rocks that came out of the middle of that Jordan. And I am telling you something today. When they started crossing that Jordan River, this wasn't like some little cobblestone brook that runs through the mountains that you can just see across the other side and has a flat bottom. No, sir. No, ma'am. I want you to know that Jordan River runs deep. And that Jordan River runs wide. And I want you to know that when they went down into that Jordan River and when those priests was carrying the Ark of the Covenant across and they were down into the depths and the pit of that river, they, when they looked up, they probably couldn't see the other side. But they were down deep in the middle of that Jordan. And when they were down deep in that Jordan and came across the other side, God said, boys, I'm fixing to take you wide. 
And when they got across, he said, now you go back. Get you a memorial stone. So that when I tell you to do something crazy, like march around a city for seven days blowing trumpets, you'll remember the rocks. You'll remember the miracle. And you will march, and you will blow, and you will march, and you will blow, and you will march, and you will blow, and you will march, and you will blow your way to victory. You say, why in the world? Why in the world would you take a picture of a check, you old crazy preacher? Because when God tells me to do something that we can't do in our own ability... When we put it on an ad machine and the numbers don't work, God said, go back to the memorial stone. I'll raise up a man somewhere who's never darkened the door of your church, never heard you preach one time, never sang through one worship service, never been on one trip to invest in the kingdom that I am expanding through you for me. Get your God. Buckle up and hold on. End of the year, we'll come back. We'll write the stories. We'll celebrate the victory on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, yes. It took 40 years to fulfill that promise. But God wouldn't finish. One of my favorite verses in the Old Testament. God looked at Joshua and he said, boy, you're old. And you know you're old when God says you're old. You can dress that up all you want to. He said, boy, you're old. But there's a bunch of land left to conquer. If you hadn't taken all that I've given you, son. Only be courageous. Hell, I could keep preaching for a long time. But here's the thing. Are you still waiting on a promise that God gave you a long time ago? Don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. God made a promise. He'll fulfill it. Maybe you're giving up on that promise. Today you need to make your way to this altar and just say, God help my faith not to fail me. Help my faith not to fail me. Maybe you're here today and you realize you've been very faithful. You've been a good attender, but you hadn't had much faith. Maybe today you would just come say, Lord, I need to take a stand for you today. I want to stand for you. I want to be a man of faith. When my kids look at me, I want to be a man of faith. Pastor Ken's not here this morning, but he's a mentor we meet with every week. Pastoral staff meets with him and this week he asked me, he said, he said, uh, well, Pastor Brad, what are, you, what are your goals? You know, what do you want to try to accomplish in your life? And so, man, I thought about it. And I said, man, Pastor Ken, as a husband, when, when I'm old, I, I just want my wife to be my best friend. I want to be in love with her then as I am now. And I want to enjoy the journey. I said, as a dad, when I, when I get through I want my kids to say, my dad had faith. I want my kids to be able to say, my dad never quit in the face of adversity. And I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm telling him all this. I said, as a pastor, when I'm said and done, I want people just to say that I was a friend of sinners. 
and that I left nothing on the field. I'm dressing this thing up. He said, well, he said, in life, I've kind of summarized mine down to one goal. And he said, there it is, that God would be glorified in my marriage. And God would receive glory from my family. And he would receive glory from my ministry. I thought, oh, wow. I told Ralph yesterday, I said, here's the answer to the question. <laughs> if you ever ask you this, here's the answer you need. He said, Pastor Brad, if God's glorified in your family, then you'll have everything he's promised you. If he's glorified in your marriage, you'll have everything he's promised you. If he's glorified in your ministry, you'll have everything that he's promised you. And I'm just asking you that question because it was asked to me this week, very hard and straightforward. Is God being glorified in every area of your life? If not, he wants to be, and he gave you a promise, and this is the promise that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor is it entered into the thought of man the things that he has in store for those who are loved and called according to his purpose. Today, don't you leave that promise on the field. You come pick it up, plant the flag, and say, God, give me strength to stand. Help my courage not to fail. And then today, maybe you're here and you just want to come pray for the future promises that he's yet to give a new word new revelation new direction for your marriage for your family for your ministry i don't know father god in the name of jesus lord i know i get carried away when i start preaching your word and listening oh man just thinking about what you've done in my life god lord the miracles that you provided for me lord that God, they're just, Lord, I just couldn't do them, Father. I could, I could keep them here all day telling them of your great power and your great testimonies. But God, I pray that you'll resonate in their spirit today. Lord, that they won't quit, that they won't back down, God, that this would be a faith family that has spiritual fortitude and spiritual tenacity, God, that is a faith family. We would have a backbone like a cross tie, Lord rigid and solid God strengthen us stir in our hearts today God take us deep give us courage to go deep because I know you want to take us wide I know you want to increase our territory I know you want to enlarge our coast I know God I know I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you want to use family of grace to impact the 70,000 unchurched people in this city. I believe you're going to use us to do it. Help us to leave nothing on the field and for you to be glorified in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just stand to your feet today. This altar is open. We'll have some pastors here to pray with you today. I want you to come. You can just come, pray by yourself. Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Won't you come right now? I've shared my heart. Won't you come? Respond to His Word. Get on the altar. Say, Lord, examine my heart. See where I am, God. Maybe you need to give your heart to Him for the first time. Won't you come today? We'll be here to pray with you. Whatever the case may be. Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? You stood before creation.
would you let that be your prayer this morning? Would you, would you let that be uh, just your heart? Because you know what? All that God has is yours. And really, all that we have is His. This morning, as we continue to worship, and just as you're taking care of business uh, with the Lord, uh, we're going to, Brother Tyron's going to bring the, the, the box that... Uh, give you an opportunity to continue to worship the Lord through the giving of your tithes and, and offerings. Just, uh, you know, one of the things that um, Pastor Brad talked about last week is that, you, you know, we, we as, a, as a staff, we feel like we've kind of shortchanged you uh, and, and not uh, being able to give you an opportunity to, you know, to come and, and to give. And, and, and you know, we we just want to give you that opportunity. The way that we do that here is, you know, you're welcome to come right now. If you just want to come and, and, and deposit your, your offering in here. Uh, if, if, look, if you're not comfortable doing that, there, there, there'll be some guys standing at the back uh, with some plates. And, and you can just uh, uh, drop it, drop your offering in there as, as you leave. If, if you just want a, some anonymity, we understand that. And, and as they're coming and, and worshiping the Lord, you know, uh, if this is your first time here or if, if you're a guest or if, if there's something you want to communicate with us, you can give us the offering of information. Uh, in the handout, there's a, there's a tear-off. Uh, just write your name. There's a place for comments. There's some boxes. You can check all of those that apply. And uh, we'll make sure that uh, we follow up with that. So uh, we, we would ask you for an offering of information this morning. Uh, just a couple of things I want to mention before we leave today is next Sunday is what we call Biker Sunday. And uh, where we, we honor uh, those who, who ride. And uh, Part of what we'll be doing is uh, we're going to be having a men's chili cook-off. And so if you can make a mean pot of chili, you know, uh, uh, Brother Mike's making some. He's calling five alarm chili. Uh, I, I talked to somebody. They're making some called iron gut chili. So uh, and there'll be a contest. And so and guys, listen, if you'd be willing to make a pot of chili, would you let me know right afterwards so I can get you signed up? And, and, and if you can if you can even get your wife to make it and say you made it, that's OK. We'll, we'll accept that. And, and so, but but please let me know. And then, uh, just continuing with our ministry fair, there's some booths out there. If you've always, you know, you just felt like the Lord had a place for you to serve, well, well guess what? He does. And, and this is a place for you to get connected. And so, uh, take some time to go by and, and pray through. And, and not, it's not a question. Look, if you're a child of the Lord, it's not a question of if there's a place of service. It's not, the, the question is only where is it. Uh, and, and so we'll we'll help you uh, with that. And also, uh, next Sunday night is uh, 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 typically we don't have services here on Sunday night. But next Sunday night is what we call family meeting, uh, where where we get together as a family. Uh, we share the victories of the past year, uh, looking uh, forward to the uh, year that lays before us, and presenting the budget and and all of those things. And so that's it five o'clock that's five o'clock next sunday evening so uh mark that time all right is there anything else before we go pastor brad i just want to say thank you again to everybody who participated in the 
the Leadership Summit, DYD, coming up in two weeks. Amen. Hope the Lord spoke to your heart today. I'm going to pray for you today. Uh, if you see Miss Janelle, she'll be in the foyer. She has your financial contributions for last year. And uh, it's just been great to be here. Uh, let's, let's pray today as we depart. We're going to close on a new song. Amen. Um, praise team meeting after uh, praise, praise team meeting right after church. Yes. If you're part of the praise team or, or want to be part of the praise team, meet us right here after church. Uh, right about in about 10 minutes. So it will be about 10 minute meeting. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for speaking to our hearts. Just thank you for being our God. And Lord, I pray that you will challenge us and help conform us to the image of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the decisions that were made today. You are stirring hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Worship through this first verse of this song and this will be your dismissal.